Loved, cherished, comforted. Welcome to the podcast ministry of Our Resolute Hope, where you will find grace, not just a concept or a doctrine of grace, but a person, a person whose name is Jesus, a person who brings hope, a determined, resolute hope that can sustain you and empower you to live courageously in this fallen world. Join us now as we learn more about Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our life. Welcome back, dear ones, and thanks for joining us today on this episode of the Our Resolute Hope podcast. John Russin here, your host with my dear friend, Pastor Frank Friedman, and it's been a while since we've gotten together. Frank, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, John. How about you? I just returned from about a week and a half up in the mountains of Wyoming. It was cold, it was snowy, and I got back here to Southern Arizona, and the temperature is still dangerously close to 100 Fahrenheit. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what a study in contrast. I left Wyoming with a winter coat, and I had my AC going full blast when I got back here. So, Wow. Wow, what a trip. <laughs> well, Frank, well, as you recall, the last few episodes, we've been talking about Job's suffering, his response to it. And of course, he came through like a champ. He lost his kids. He lost his businesses. And he didn't complain, at least not at first, not in these first few chapters. He simply continued to trust God. But my friend, today I want to shift gears a little bit and recognize a very important tenet. And that is, Frank, when we suffer, we usually don't suffer alone. If we're in a community at all, if we're married or have friends, they suffer too. And Frank, as you know, God gets a lot of mileage out of all the suffering he allows in, in our lives. And not only does it bear fruit in our lives, but suffering can bear fruit in the lives of those who love us and they watch us suffer. It's a different kind of suffering, actually, isn't it, Frank? Oh, it's a very difficult suffering because you involve this whole idea of relationship, which involves love. And just by definition, love always seeks the highest and best for another, even at the expense of itself. We know that's a good definition of love from Philippians 2. And so when we see someone we love suffering, love doesn't want that. And so we want to deliver them from the suffering. We would, if we could, take their place <laughs> many times. And, yes. and we can't. And sometimes the suffering that comes into a loved one's life, we're just so helpless. And it can really wound our hearts to see that person going through such deep valleys in their life. I think that feeling of helplessness, John, is what really magnifies it, at least for me, when I see somebody I love really going through it, just this feeling of helplessness. And that hurts. Yes, my friend, it certainly does. So today, I don't know how far we'll get, but we're going to begin by looking at the response of others to Job's suffering, how different people reacted to Job's suffering. And this is critical for us because it's going to give us some insight into how we need to act when those we love are suffering. And I think, Frank, there's a lot to learn 
about how others react to suffering. And the first person I want to look at is Job's wife, Mrs. Job. We'll call her that. Okay. And I want to start off by acknowledging something that's sort of evident in the first chapter, but it's not brought out that as Job's wife, she lost kids and wealth and businesses too. But Frank, she was silent. Scripture records nothing. And I know as we've talked about this, sometimes there are just nothing you can say. There are no words when the nightmare just kind of falls over you, even suddenly, like it did here. Isn't that right? No words can sometimes describe how we feel. Yeah, sometimes all we have available to us is a cry. I don't know if you remember, John, but 30 plus years ago, we met a guy together named David Teams. Oh, yes. And remember him? And his music spoke to us because it was so honest about the journey of faith through a fallen world. And he, one of his songs was No Language But a Cry. And I think that's what happens to us sometimes when the devastation comes in a fallen world and knocks us down. There are no words. Uh, there are only tears. And sometimes not even tears. Sometimes we call it shock. And, you know, John, in the book that we put out through Resolute Hope, Finding God in the Gray, The Lonely Path of Pain, we noted that shock is a real gift from God. It shuts us down until we have time to realize what has happened to us so that we can begin to process it. Because if it didn't shut us down, it could very well damage us so badly. It could even take our lives, the suffering from a broken heart. And maybe that's what Mrs. Job was going through, John. I find it fascinating. Like you said, you referenced, we don't even have her name, John. But like you said, this is a mama's heart here. And she had to have been just devastated. Yes, I, uh, I agree. And you know, Frank, she gets a bad rap. Uh, but what I want to do today is I want to look at Mrs. Job perhaps with a little different lens, because while she's silent when she loses her children, when she's silent when she loses her business, but Frank, something happens that pushes her over the edge, and that is she's watching her husband of decades, probably, suffer physically. And she mm. says this curse God and die. And you know, that is such a hard phrase. So being the word geek I am, I started looking. Now, I don't speak Hebrew. I can barely spell Hebrew. But I started looking into what that word curse really means. And it comes from a root, my friend, that means bend the knee, give in, yield. In other words, uh, Job, just give up. I'd rather have you go home to be with God then continue suffering the way you are. And I look at that, Frank, and I see a heart of compassion in this woman that she's willing to give up her husband just mm -hmm. so he can be free from the pain he's experienced. So this really, in my mind, casts Mrs. Job in a totally different light. I mean, I've read this book, I don't know how many times, and each time 
Mrs. Job, I've just said, man, I'm glad she's not my wife. <laughs> but boy, there's a heart in this woman that sort of jumped out to me this time. The Holy Spirit, you know, sometimes that happens. You read a passage and suddenly the Holy Spirit pulls back the covers and you can see things you've never seen before. And I went, wow. I mean, <laughs> this woman loved her husband so much. She's willing to give him up just to stop his suffering. My goodness, what a heart. Yeah, John, that is something that in ministry we've seen over the decades. Love, as we noted earlier, always seeks the highest and best of another. And curse God and die, that is such a... that There's no compassion in that translation. But when you look at it, to bend the knee, I can almost, like you say, see this woman saying, my husband, go home. It's okay. John, I'm reminded of, oh, 30 plus years ago, there was a dear guy in the church and he had developed ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, as it's commonly known. And John, you know, as I do, that is one of the worst diagnoses that can come to mankind. Oh, yes. Is, I, re I remember oh, that brother well and the devastation yeah. on his family. Oh, John, he came to me privately and said, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to gasp for breath. I'm not going to be put on a machine. I'm going to live as I can until this disease starts to take its toll. And then I'm going to take my life. And I didn't try to talk him out of it, John. That's, I didn't perceive that as my role. I'm not in the shoes that he's in. All I asked him to do was to pray and bring that to his father. Well, he did. He came back to me about three weeks later. And he said, I did what you told me. And God and I did business. And I'm in. And I said, what do you mean? He said, I'm in for the long haul. I'm going to trust him no matter what. Well, John, he reached a point where it had been his greatest fear, gasping for breath, every breath. And I went to visit him and he said to me, why won't God let me die? Well, John, something happened in my brain and I pulled the family aside and we left the room. And this is what the spirit laid in my heart. He's trying to stay here for you guys. And I think what we need to do here is go in as a family and tell him what a great job he did as a dad, that we love him, but we're going to be okay. And we release you to go home. And John, the family came in and one of the oldest son said, I'll do it. And he told his dad all those things and he said, Dad, we're going to be okay. You did a great job. We release you. You're free to go home. And the dear man started to cry. And he said, that's the greatest gift I've ever been given. Wow. And within two days, he was gone. He'd gone home. And John, the way you've pointed out the translation of the Hebrew, that gives such a better picture of Mrs. Job. Husband, I love you. You've been a great husband. 
great provider, but I release you. Go home. Yeah. And I think you've pointed out a beautiful, beautiful thing today, John. And it's a biblical basis. In fact, we'll encourage people, John, as we always do. Go be like the Bereans. Go search it out in concordances and see if what John has presented today is true. Yeah. And let it minister to you if it is. Amen. Well, as we look at Mrs. Job and Job together as they walk through this second phase of suffering, one of the things I want to point out is that if you are on the outside watching another suffer, that can be the hardest thing to do sometimes. You can reach points of despair much more quickly sometimes than they do, and you just can't stand them, see them suffer. And you just want relief almost no matter what the cost can be. And Frank, as I thought about this, and I look around through this world, so often we see ending suffering as the most important thing. I understand that if someone is chronically suffering, intensely suffering, that's what we want to do. But, you know, Job saw things differently, my friend. He heard his wife. But he didn't do that. He embraced his suffering. Now, before we jump on into that, I want to go back and make sure we understand the heart of Mrs. Job here and put it onto us. Because when we see someone suffering intensely, and as you pointed out so well earlier, they are helpless. They feel helpless. They can do nothing to ease the pain. You almost want to to help them, whatever they decide to do, even if they want to end their life and end the pain. I remember, Frank, in the book that you wrote, Finding God in the Gray, you had a a chapter, a short chapter on suicide. And I want to ask you just to summarize that quickly and how it relates to the desire to just pay any price to end the suffering. Oh, John, you're going to bring me to tears. Yeah, I'm Um, already at tears, so join me. (laughs) Oh, there are times in life, and and this is what we have to realize, John, is that we're living in a world we weren't designed to live in. And all believers need to recognize that. So things happen to us that we were never designed to have happen. And so those things cause short circuits in our lives. And it can be devastating. You said briefly, but I want to make a statement about the Apostle Paul, John. This is the man who's probably most qualified to talk about the Christian life. Wouldn't you agree, the Apostle Paul? Oh, yeah. The guy who writes two-thirds of the New Testament, you know, the champion of grace. And, And this is the guy who says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is the guy who says, uh, I strive according to the mighty power that works within me. This is the guy who says, we are more than conquerors in anything that gets thrown at us. And this is the guy who says, our suffering right now is just a momentary light affliction compared to the glory. So this is the same guy who then writes in 2 Corinthians 1, I don't want you to be ignorant of where I am right now. I am despairing of life. I am pressed beyond measure. And I am totally 
without strength to get through this. That is wonderful to me. He's honest. Johnny's not wearing a mask. He says life can get so hard sometimes. You want to die. And in that chapter, that's why we noted that we don't call it suicide. Uh, people really don't want to die, John. Uh, life by nature fights against death. What we call it in the book is pain aside. They don't want to die. They just don't want to hurt anymore. And if I could maybe have 15 more seconds, I learned this, you know, the gentleman, a wife calls up and says, my husband's going to kill himself. And I said, will he talk? And she brought him over. He wouldn't come in. I went out to the car and I said, what's going on? And he said, I'm going to take my life. And so you always ask if there's a plan because you see how serious somebody is. And he's, yes, I've got a plan. And you utter the greatest prayer you've ever uttered, four-letter word, help. <laughs> you yes, know, sir. Holy Spirit, I'm in way above my pay grade. And this is what came out of me. I said, sir, I said, you don't want to die. And he said, who are you to tell me I don't want to die? And I said, no, sir, please hear me. You don't want to die. You just don't want to hurt anyone. And you'll do anything to stop the pain. And John, he looked at me and burst into tears. And through his tears, he said, you're right. I don't want to die. I just don't want to hurt anymore. And he agreed to see me. And he's alive today. And he's journeying through life in a fallen world. And I think it'd be wise, John, if maybe you could comment that suicide is not an option for us. It's actually the counterfeit gospel. Maybe you could explain that a little Indeed. bit. Indeed. If we are so wrapped up in pain that all we see is the pain and our goal is to end the suffering, you know, that's our driving goal. That's the most important thing to us. The enemy not only can, but most certainly will slip in and say, well, you can end it. You can be free of this pain. Hmm. All you have to do is take your life. In other words, he's saying, just die and you'll be free. Well, that is so incredibly close to the truth of the gospel of Christ, to be crucified with Christ and to enjoy the freedom he gives us will enable us to look at our painful circumstances and look at the painful circumstances of those we love and see them through the lens of heaven. Yes, they're bad. Yes, they're awful. But this pain, this suffering, Frank, does not define me. Mm. I am more than this. It's afflicting my body, but I am reborn in the image of Christ. And so through him, I can endure all suffering and still bring glory to his name. Frank, and now we're talking about this. 
my mind runs to John 18. You remember the passage where in Gethsemane, mm-hmm. the soldiers have come and they're fixing to carry Jesus away. Of course, Peter steps in, raises his sword, cuts off the servant's ear. And Jesus said this really cool thing. He said, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Hmm. Wow. In other words, Peter, I understand your heart. You want to protect me from suffering or you want to end my suffering. But my friend, that's the worst thing you can do for me. You know, shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? And Frank, that phrase applies not only to Jesus in the garden and the cross, but that applies to us in every uh, uncomfortable, painful, suffering circumstance we face. You know, we've been talking about Job and how Father, uh, in his grace, according to his higher purpose, chose to part the hedge and allow the enemy to attack Job. And basically, Father gave that to Job as a gift, a gift wrapped in dark paper. We don't want to open, but it was a gift from the Father, according to Father's purpose, to accomplish a higher, greater goal in the life of Job. And Frank, the same thing is true with us. Every circumstance we face, every suffering we endure, every loss, all of that is from the hand of our Father. And we are to embrace it just as Job did. Receive the suffering our Father has allowed into our lives so that it will accomplish in us the very same thing it accomplished in Job. Conform us into the image of Christ. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Job, as you know, and we've been saying this, I don't want to be a broken record, John, uh, but Job found God in a way he never knew him. And I would dare to say he found him in a way that he couldn't have known him without going through what he went through. I've often told people by way of illustration something like this. God has promised to provide his grace in no matter what circumstance we find ourselves in. And we know from Titus 2 that his grace is his own provision of his own person to our lives. So here's the key. If I am encountering level four pain, I'm going to receive level four provision of the presence of person of God. But if I experience level eight pain, I'm going to experience level eight provision of the person of God. But what happens is a lot of us, when that eight or nine comes, we don't want it. We push it away. And if only we would embrace it, like we said in that book, sit down in it. Don't anesthetize. It wouldn't have come to you without Father's permissive hand. Sit down in the hurt and the loss And God will meet you where you are, and you'll find him in a way you never knew him before. That's the glory, John. 
Well, my friend, that is a wonderful wrap-up comment. You know, we had planned to zoom on to talk about Job's friends and their response to his suffering, but that's going to have to wait until the next episodes. Mm -hmm. And so uh, thank you, friends, for joining us today. It's been a very interesting conversation as, as the Holy Spirit has unpacked a little different perspective on Mrs. Job and how others respond to suffering. So again, we offer our thanks that you joined us today. We invite you, if Father has ministered to you in any way, to check out our website. You'll find us at OurResoluteHope.com. Lots of resources there to assist you in your walk with the Savior, because they're all focused on the truth of Jesus Christ, not only as your Savior and Lord, but as your very life. Please also, Follow us on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram. We've got a YouTube channel. And of course, you're already listening to us on your favorite podcast outlet. So thank you for that. And as always, we close with the same reminder from Hebrews that no matter what you're facing, no matter how you're feeling, what your circumstances are, how much you're suffering, or how much someone you love is suffering and you feel so incredibly helpless, to step in and ease their pain, no matter how you feel, uh, you have a hope. And that hope is a permanent fixed anchor for your souls. It's a living hope, Peter calls it. Frank and I call it a resolute hope, stable, steadfast, and never shifting. And so today and always, no matter what you're facing, choose that hope, choose Jesus. Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today, and you know that no matter what you're facing, He offers you Himself, His own life. He wants to live His life with you, in you, and through you as you trust Him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to Our Resolute Hope Podcast. For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.